Hello and welcome to the Mancheck Chit Chat. It is Synth Fried Friday. Today we're talking about Mancheck and living and working in the swamp. And there's no better to talk to to Mancheck neighbor and true land, man of the land, Hayden Reno, who lived here his life, uh, his whole life, his father and his grand grandfather. You've been the third generations here, right? Right. My grandfather. Well, you think it's the fourth? It could be the fourth. No, I think it could be four, but I know my grandfather was born in 1885, and that's who was associated down here with the old Slater's Club. And at 16 years old, though, he went to, uh, he got on a ship, because he was an orphan, I think, and went and he joined the Boer War and was a medic in the Boer War. And then he came back over here, make a long story short, I can't remember what year, but that's when he moved to Manchac and Bucktown. And the Manchac, he lived on a houseboat and raised, I think, 21 kids. And 21? delivered every one of them. One My, bedroom, one bathroom? Probably so. Oh, they didn't have bathrooms back then. Well, that they was a houseboat. They, they went out in the, behind I the got trees. Some, I got some, some old newspapers from Thomas Picky New, New Orleans, from 1920s. And that they made they had an article about him and all his family. So your grandfather actually was ahead of the time. You know how people now have this mini houses and everything. Right. You, you got, your, your grandfather had a mini boat with twenty one people had a living mini on it. Houseboat, moved wherever he wanted, where the fish was biting and where the game was. He fed them, and that's all he did. Lived off the land and, at and that had time. Twenty one kids raising on the boat. Right. They probably slept in shift. They probably had it in like, you know. Probably like, had shelves, like a know, drawer. Like eight and beds, in. and then every eight hours, everybody got a bed. Right. Or they had like dresser drawers, put yeah. them in there. Little yeah, kids. Yeah, that's good. Know, roll them out. Didn't need much room back then. And you, your father was number what out of the 21? Well, he, uh, he was about the eighth. The eighth? Yeah. Now, he's still living. He's 90. But I got uncles probably a little over 100 years old. Yeah. You know, I just realized, my, and you are working a lot too, and me, I made a list and I realized I have to turn 125 to complete my list. So I, we all will be around here. Well, I hope so. Yeah, I we mean, have if we're not, we, we can pull that box out. Yep. Well, but let's talk about being down here. You know, with my background, we know we, we, we don't go hunting this much in Europe and everything, and I see you and I admire you go out there every day. So tell us about when you started hunting and Tell about your first hunt. What did you do? Well, I guess when I was in school, when I was probably 10, 11 years old, probably so, yeah, that's when I started trapping because the fur industry was in this part of the country, heavy. And uh, that's how I made a little What did you trap? Nutrial rats, mink, muskrats was kind of plentiful, otter. Whatever I can catch it back then, they used to buy them. Was there a season, like the winter, when yes. they have the best fur? Yes, so from between what December and the first uh, of March. All December, all the winter months. So you basically skipped school in the winter months? No, I'd come home in the evening time. And, of course, when you live like where we live in Manchac, you didn't have to go far. You can walk out your back door and start trapping. They had so much fur back then, so... But you had a lot of competition, also your uncles and aunts and nephews well, and nieces. you know, it wasn't a lot. If you, it, it, the population down here wasn't that much back in them days, believe it or not. But everybody did that. 
and they had plenty of room because it wasn't like now where everybody owned everything and leased everything. It started off when the fur industry that everybody had a place to try. You know, about the fur industry, uh, after Katrina, I read the book The Rising Tide, and they talked about back in uh, uh, 1920, 1927, when they had, the, before the big flood came to this area, uh, the trappers and uh, the people who trapped, uh, most mm-hmm. of the fur in the world was produced in Louisiana to make mm-hmm. hats and everything. And uh, back then, the trappers, they made more money than the governor. There was an, in New Orleans and Decatur Street, there were all these houses where they traded fur and everything, and they made money. And then the big flood came. It's when it's rained for six months. It's so funny right now. We're talking about flooding yeah, everywhere. Coming they back. had it back then. You yeah. know, oh, yeah. You yeah, know, they flooded the whole, uh, from Oklahoma to here, everything flooded. And when they flooded Chalmette, and, and uh, it killed a lot of the animals. Well, that's before the levee system. Yeah. Right? Well, and then the Corps built the great levee system yeah. to help everybody. In That's right. They built the levee high here, and it just flooded as a neighbor. That's right. I That's call right. it always political vote counting. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. But let's talk about, so you went out there trapping when you were 11 years old, and, and what? tell us about what you also hunting and everything. Well, What we, can we hunt and trap out here in the Swamp Magic? Well, there was so much to do down here. Hunting, I mean... I was too young to go by myself as far as the big hunts, like the deer hunts and all that. But I remember my dad, uh, most of my life, he was the game warden down in this area. He 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 stayed. His his brother was a game warden, a federal game warden, and he when he died, my dad took over his spot. So he used to take us hunting when we was little, you know, deer hunting, duck hunting. I remember going duck hunting a lot. There was a lot of rabbits down in this part of the country. Squirrel, believe it or not, in these cypress woods. A lot of squirrel. Yeah? And, oh, yeah. And uh, rabbits, squirrel, anything you can think of, there was an abundance of it back in them days. You know. So this was the hunting part. When you switched also to fishing, at the same time you fished uh, in the summer hunt in the winter? You know, I never did fish too much with trot lines and stuff. Of course, we rod and reel fish when we was kids, but trot lines and stuff like that as far as commercial or catching something, we always, they would hit a lot of fish and crabs. We used to fish uh, crabs with crab nets before crab traps came out, commercial. But there was a lot of seafood and a lot of game because one reason was the population. There wasn't abundance of hunters back in them days because the population was way down. Now you got this everywhere has grown up so much and so many people living in all these areas now that and then they got kids hunting and their dads, kids, everybody hunts. So they putting a hurt on the animals and stuff. There's not, you know, if you had 10 people back in the 50s and 60s hunting, you got 10,000 now hunting. So. And people doing for recreation. They go recreation. there and join a hunting yeah. club or whatever. And In them days, you, you was hunting for a living and feeding your families, you know. And nowadays, it's recreation, and they go out and hunt. And there's still game out there, but in this part of the country, there's not a lot of rabbits, there's not a lot of squirrels. And that might be because of the water situation, high waters, because rabbits don't survive in high water. Yeah. Squirrels. They just a lot of people hunted them, you know. Yeah. So. You know, um, I noticed since our last 
every time we flood down here in Manchac, and the last one was Isaac in 2012, uh, we lost, you didn't see it, but you after the water was gone, you haven't seen, didn't see for the first two or three years after flood a lot of animals down no. here. You know? Well, the flooding, the deer and the wild hogs, yeah. they'll drown in it. Yeah. You know, they're not adapted uh, to high water, and what happens when we don't have hurricanes for sometimes five or six years, just like we hadn't really had any since Isaac, that's six years, you know, the, the deer and the wild hogs, they multiply. It takes a little while. It takes a little while. And then when you get a bad hurricane, it floods everything like it floods and Isaac and stuff. That's when it wipes wipes them off a long yeah. time, you know. So. You know, also what I noticed, uh, what is sad, and uh, but we should talk about it, is uh, on Isaac, when the water gets high, and yes, there's a few high spots, and you see the wildlife and fishery blocking all the road for a good reason. Since there's some people go out there and just want to kill, since some of the well, animals go to high ground, and it's so sad. You know, we should you're always, always going to have a certain type of people. You're going to have outlaws that don't, just don't care. And they, all they want to do is kill something. They want to kill. It's not about eating. It's not about, it's just, I want to kill something a, a deer with bigger horns than this next guy. Yeah, and it's so easy in high water. Poor deer and stuff just sit there and look at you five feet away. Yeah. You, know, you can grab a bottle of horns and pull them in a the boat if you want, but they kill them. But uh, that's been going on since time began, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, you're going to have them a certain type of people out there, and it's always going to have a handful of them. But it has to be managed, and the wildlife and fishery does a good job. And also listening to you, you know, when we talk sometimes, we do notice also there's a change in it since we have so many predators, like we talked earlier about the turtles, you know, with so mm-hmm. many raccoons and possums eating the eggs from the turtles since they don't have a, nobody hunts them anymore. Right. Um, you see, that's a, not a big game, the, 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 the raccoons. Nobody really eats raccoons or anything like that, so nobody goes out and shoots them. Uh, the neutral rat, you know, that's not a harmful animal to anything, but they got a bounty on them that uh, they, the wildlife pays five dollars a tail for them, so they kill them, knock the tail off, and they make money off of. But if it wouldn't be for that, we'd probably be overflowed with neutral rats. Yeah. But it's the big game and stuff like that that the outlaws and stuff will kill them, and then while the, 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 the coons and all the high waters don't affect them. They survive that. They can climb up trees and stuff, you know. So that's that's the kind of animals that eat the eggs off the turtles and all and yeah, make they, them. They, they destroy a lot. They do, seen. yeah. You know, when we're down here, and some of you know in Middendorf, we have our little chicken coop. We have geese and ducks, and we go to cycles. We're doing real well, and then... Then weeks come later, and then we get a you know, possum or a coon who needs steal our chicken. Fox yeah. or, or coyote. Coyotes we've seen once in a while. We and see you know there, there was one right down the road, a, a, a bobcat, a couple of them in the last year or two that I've seen. And yeah. a dead coyote on the side of the road. Yeah, I see them. Yeah, but that's what I, that's a, that's just one example of a fox is an outlaw in the nature, and you got humans. It doesn't take many of them to wipe your whole chicken coop out, yeah. you know, and that's what it does with the deer when they hunt in high water. One person can do a lot of damage, yeah. the few that's left. Yeah. Hey, let's talk about, since Hayden also supplies us, we, uh, you know, he catches the alligator for us, 
Uh, and so tell us about your alligator hunting and well, explain a little bit to people. They don't know it. Not everybody can go out there. T tell about the tags and everything. There's two okay. how you get them. Well, I started, now that's one thing. I started hunting alligators and turtles with my uncles and my dad and all since I can remember. I remember. Now, that's something that they used to take us and watch them, and we used to go with them. But I remember when I was six years old hunting alligators with my uncles and turtles and stuff like that. But uh, in 1965 is when the alligator season closed because of the hunting. People made a living with alligator skins back in them days, back prior to 1965. And they actually went on the extinct list. That's why they closed it, because the alligators was hunted so much and that, that, that the skin was a, in big demand back in, in way back for people who had money and they was making purses and shoes and wallets and stuff. But anyway, uh, in 1980, one, the season opened back again and the, my uncle and I went hunting with my uncle in 1981, the first year that the season opened back up and back then same as now it was a wildlife and fishery uh, project uh, that they opened up and they regulated it so there was only so many alligators that you can take off of section of land I think it was like 75 acres you can get one alligator if you had wetlands that had alligators on so they issued a tag each Every 75 acres that you had land, they would each, you can only take one t uh, alligator off, so they issued a tag. So sometimes we'd get 15, 20 tags a year. And our uncles and, and I would go out and hunt them and uh, produce the, the skin. And the, the meat was a, a, a going thing, too, back then when it started. Everybody wanted it. Everybody wanted the skins at that time. Alligators... Skins was the only thing. Louisiana was the only one that produced in, in the United States. There wasn't any other states that had alligators and opened the season up except Louisiana. Now there's Florida and all the low-lying uh, states has it open now. Now there's caiman and crocodile skins. There's all kind of skins out there for the, on the market. And uh, that knocked the price down nowadays. I remember in 1990, the price was $70 a foot for skins back in them days. But now there's so many skins on the market. There's farm-raised skins. That yeah, farm-raised. Farm there's some big farms up here with uh, alligators. Oh, there's all over the state. They I got heard a somebody lot of, has uh, like 100,000 gators and they're yeah. feeding with pellets and everything. Mm -hmm. there's, there's quite a few big farmers that's got skins. Springfield has some? Springfield. There's, a, there's, there's quite a few in the state, though. And uh, and I'm not sure if they got any in Florida or anywhere else, but they're such they can raise an alligator in a year's time. They can get six, seven foot in a year because they feed them around the clock. They got warm swimming pools that 70 whatever 75 degrees or 80 degrees, and the alligators are constantly eating. So Do they reproduce uh, reproduce them there? In August, I always see when the people go out there and collecting eggs. And I, think, it's also I think they get the eggs out the wild, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm it's also sure. governed and ruled by uh, wildlife, wildlife fishery. fishery. This is nothing but a big program with the alligators. Now, the farmers are regulated, I think, by wildlife and fishery to make sure that they got the right amount and there's not coming in, anything coming in from the wild caught by hoodlums and brought to them and sold. So I think it's all regulated.
Well, there's always some out there. Like, I remember a couple of years ago, somebody must had some live alligator on his truck and went mm-hmm. somewhere, and it fell out in the spillway. Is was, that right? Yeah, a couple of years ago, <laughs> it was on the spillway. Well, I know years ago there was a couple of guys that had a couple of farms, and they actually bought some from the outlaws out there. They would go out and catch small alligators and stuff and bring it to them. And they got busted. Wildlife and fishery busted them because they they only supposed to have so many alligators in their farms. And they, they, when they went and counted them, they had quite a few more than they're supposed to have. So they got. I busted. heard one time the first when they look for the nests out there. Uh, I see always like in August or July, we see always this helicopters uh, pulling in and out. You see them along 51, and they have these little helicopters, and they look right. for the nests. They and look they, for the nest, and, and now... they mark them with the GPS. They mark them with the GPS. When they started that years ago, they would take a piece of PV, white PVC pipe, maybe 15 foot long, and they would go down and they'd stab it by the nest. Now they have the GPS. They can mark. They don't need to mark it with mm-hmm. that. So. And then they and come they, with the airboat. Come with the airboat and, and, and get the eggs out the nest. Yeah, but when it's not so easy. I mean, it's I not, heard that it's, you need three people. One guy the boat, one keeps yeah. the mother away, and one dicks real fast. Well, you know, 90% of the time the mother's not going to be, you, you can scare them away. But I've seen the females, they like a, a mad dog after you. They'll crawl, they'll chase you, do whatever they can. Yeah. So you got to keep a pole and push them away, you know. And then I heard, and you tell me, through, I heard so when they collect the eggs and they hatch them, they have to release a certain percentage yeah. back to the wild? Yeah, they, if, if they, I think it's, if they take 100 eggs out, uh, a couple of nests, of course, they get thousands of eggs out every year. But if they take 100 eggs, they got to put 10% back. Alive, so five, when after they six, hatch their Five left. or six foot, it's 10, 10 back on every 100 days. I think it's 10%. It could be up to 15% now. They have to release in the wild. And they let them go this time of the year uh, out the farms. They'll come back in the swamps and release them yeah. in the middle of March. They have to learn how to eat since they're in the farms well, to get pellets. they can eat. They've just got to find something to eat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's, that's not easy for those because they're looking. Yeah. If you go back in the swamp and find a place where they let a bunch of alligators go all you got to do is pat your hand on the water and they're going to be coming after you You know i lived on yellow water that's down here at the, between springfield and and Ponchatoula, and i built a little gazebo over the water and you don't realize what's all in the water you know mm-hmm. you see a garfish and everything there and i dropped the board but out of nowhere there were two gators right away like you said they pat yeah. the water and they're there oh, you yeah. don't realize how quickly and if you there. feed them Oh, yeah. I mean, if you feed them, it could be a wild one, and they can get used to you eat, uh, feeding them, and they'll come back. Don't feed alligators. It's right. not You get in trouble for it. That's exactly uh, right. It's and uh, like law. a few days ago, I also thought, you know, there's certain animals you don't mess with. Uh, somebody got arrested a few days ago messing with pelicans. Is that right? Yeah. Some guy from the north, you know, go there, go did, fishing, and, you know, they're hungry, so they throw them fish, and he grabbed them, and he put it on YouTube. Got him. But did, did he catch him or something? Or I just didn't grab watch him? it. You know, no. man, let the wildlife be wild. Yeah, right. Alligators the same way. Everything, you know. You can't, no. especially something like a pelican. They they kind of on a protected. Yes. They protected them. But back to this, we see them out here. Uh, the pelicans come out to Manjack to Lake Murpa. We see them coming like in late October, November. They're coming out here. Yeah, they're leaving they st- in April. They, st- they don't pack well, up. Well, yeah, they're still around. I still they're see still a around, bunch but of in them. the next few weeks they go. They're leaving. They should be. Yeah. The same we uh, the bald eagle. We get them. 
Well, now we have bald eagles year round, right? No, I didn't know. I thought they, you said they left. Well, they leave. Most but of them know, leave in April. Yeah, but they, I don't know. I don't. I really don't see them in a heat of the summer. No, they're going I, I north. I, unless they got one that just straggles it and stays around. I we also see a lot of aspreys. Right, right. Do they they stay around? Too? Yeah, they stay. They stay. I'm yeah. pretty sure they stay. But some of you don't know that if you leave New Orleans and drive out to Manchac to Middendorf's, there's at least three, four nests I know. There's oh, yeah. in Rudock. There's one in Manchac. There's done by the airport. And they're having actually babies in January. Right well, now. I mean, I've seen as many as six to eight different eagles when I go from Lake Marpaw to Lake Punchtree yeah. in the past here. I've seen as many as two and three in one tree. So I don't know if there's just one nest in the area, but they got to be more. I know where there's one. There's a lot of them. Over here across from Manchac, from Middendorf's this one, and when they t- teach the young ones fishing, I can, in the morning when I'm here, I am look yeah. out there, and it's so pretty when they go down. And if you ever see them when they go down, go for fish, and they grab them, and then in the air they turn them so they don't drag this much. You know, they have right. come across, and then they turn them so they're, they're more airstream and everything. When you I'm, go down the pass to your place down there, I've seen them a couple times. Oh, yeah, I've seen them quite a few times go down and catch a fish. It's a pretty sight. If oh, you yeah. ever watch them, people, when you ever come by and you see them going over water, watch them. When they go down oh, yeah. there, they're there. Yeah. And they're pretty birds, too. You know, they they got that white head, that yellow beak. And they but don't look as big unless you're right there on top of right. them, you know. But they're even big. they got lazy a little bit when I drive on 51 and there's like a dead animal. They're eating a roadkill, too. You see them on the side on oh, 51 yeah. sitting. But, you know, you're lucky. We've never seen a dead eagle get hit or anything. No. They kind of... They kind of, I mean, that's a big, big fine if you ever. No, you don't do this. Some goofy but also person maybe, shoots one of them. We so. do see a lot more. I mean, since I've been here now for 12 years. Oh, yeah. And I yeah. think we've seen, I've seen more pelicans coming out. Mm-hmm. I've seen more uh, bald eagles. Now, with the pelicans, uh, last yep. year we had a bad spell when it's real foggy and yeah. they can't go fishing. Uh, I've seen some hitting the power lines I and everything. Too, yeah. we, we, we've seen some of them dying, but. From 12 years ago, we've seen a lot more pelicans coming out to our area. The pelicans, I don't understand the pelicans, though. They're more of a, they, they real, get real friendly. I mean, I've seen them out in the lake when you're crabbing and, and stuff and you're shrimping or something and you throw the bait overboard. I mean, they, they, they'll come right to your boat yeah. and, and look for something to eat. Oh, you yeah, know, because when you're dumping old bait out or you're throwing fish out your trawl they right there ready to eat it yeah. so but they're real friendly birds they're real tame like you know i mean i've never seen anything wild get you know, that tame when i'm here and we some when it's a real foggy and and they see them all around here when they fly towards you they look like gigantic dinosaurs oh, yeah. like the medieval times they look so mean and evil we but had a boat one time with a radar on it and uh, it was foggy and we was going down and I had a guy with me. He was an electrician. And I told him, look, because back then we had that, it wasn't a radar what you're just looking at. It was a mask. Like, you ever remember, do you ever know? No. Well, you put your face in a yeah. rubber gasket. Like, so it's dark so you can yeah. see. And uh, he was watching. It was foggy, foggy. You couldn't even see 10 feet ahead of you in that boat. But you can see the, that radar showed you everything. And he started hollering. He said, there's a boat coming right to us. There's a boat coming. So I slowed down. I said, you sure? And as soon as I said that, there was a pelican flying about as high as that ceiling, straight over the boat. 
But that pelican was big enough where it showed like a small <laughs> boat on the radar, you know, and that guy was about to lose it. He thought we was going to head, head on with another boat. It wouldn't stop. He said, it's, it's going to hit us. It's going to hit us. That boat's going to hit us. But it, it flew right over the boat. I said, look, that's a pelican, man. But Calm down. Now, that's our pelican story. I want to go one more time back towards the alligator. Okay. Since not only you hunt him, but you and then shoot him, well, I like when they call it alligator hunting. It's more like fishing, alligator fishing. fishing. Yeah, that's what I call it. Well, hunting. Well, you do hunt him to fish him. We, you know, you got to go look for alligator. Find him first. Sometimes you got I mean. So tell us when you go out there. You, you, well, I see the bait sometimes in different heights and everything. Yeah. Well, the thing is, alligators usually in a, a little nesting ground where the females are. If the females there and you don't catch them, usually that's why you don't catch them because you're fishing away from them a little bit. And that's why they open the season, the alligator season, in September because that's when the female alligators are still around their nest with the little ones. So the males are kind of away from it. But if you know where the females were nesting at at the time, you can go a couple blocks away and catch the male. And that's what they want you to do. They don't want you to catch the females because they nest, you know. So uh, everywhere you go when you're fishing the alligators, you might see a big alligator or a nice, you know, you see nice alligators swimming on the outskirts. So you look at them, we have to tell people, you look for the alligators before the season starts so you know where do. to put your bait. Well, I'm fishing, you know, and, and, and everything I do when I hunt and fish, I see different alligators all, all year. Of course, you got all summer these alligators swimming around and, and they come out the swamp. Some alligators are in the middle of the swamp and they'll come out when you get a little high water. And they'll stay in the lake shores and the pass and the canals and stuff like that. Once they come out, they'll they'll usually stay. And when you see them, you know, I know the land and I know wherever every little ditch that I hunt and everything. So I know I got a kind of block in my mind. I put it and 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 I know exactly where I see some nice alligators at the end of the season. At the end. When it's time for the season to open, I already got Somebody's 30 spot. or 40 spots where I know there's some nice, nice alligators. And, and it might take a week for an alligator to feed because a big alligator, when the season opens, he might be full. And it might take two weeks for him to empty that stomach out where he's ready to eat again. So you don't catch every alligator in one day. That's why they got the season open in a month. It takes time for one alligator. One alligator today might be eating, but this one over here might not eat for another week or two. So sooner or later, you probably catch him, you know. So Since ultimately, when we get the first cold fronts, they're slowing down a little. Well, the cold fronts, right before a cold front, they'll go into feeding frenzy. They'll eat like crazy. But after that cold front a day or two, when it, when it, when the air is cold, They'll almost stop eating altogether because they'll think it's hibernating time, and yeah. that's what they'll do. They'll go back in hibernation and they'll quit eating. But if it warms up again, they'll start back eating up. So then, when you uh, go out there in the morning and they're under hook, since you put over a branch or a stick, you put a, a line with a hook and bait, chicken or whatever, yeah. and so the alligator has to come out of the water to reach it well, and swallow it. If you know there's a big one there. You put it you high. Know, no, not necessarily. If you know that big alligator is hanging out right there, he's not going to let any little ones around him. 
Oh, because okay. too little, he'll eat them too. <laughs> I'm telling you, he'll, he'll, a big alligator will eat a little guy, a alligator. So, you know, sometimes a big alligator is pretty smart too. He knows what's hanging there. And I've seen big alligators just sit underneath that hook with the bait on it and not touch it. But if you put it a little lower, just re if he's got a chance just to raise his head a little bit and bite it, instead of jumping up, he doesn't want to jump you know, up. He doesn't want to jump up. Now, some alligators are used to jumping up because they try to get birds, you know. They actually can, if they got a bird on a limb, low, low limb of a bush or something, I've seen that happen too where they'll jump up for the birds. They'll feed on anything. If they know a bird's there and they see it, they're going to try to get up underneath it and fly up. But some, Have you ever had any accidents here with alligators with humans here in Manchester? No, I don't think we ever had a problem like that. Now, I know, I know a couple of people that went out and frog hunting years ago, frog hunting, and they tried to catch one, and it wound up taking scratching the hand or biting the hand or something, but that's foolishness, you know. Well, in Slidell a couple of years ago, the kids, uh, some teenagers, they messed with some alligator, and he... Uh, Injured the kid real bad. Well, yeah. But they messed with it. They're, they're, yeah, that's what you know, I'm saying. It's just one of them. They fed one of them. all the time, and then they right. were messing with it. Yep. Uh, but I've never really, I mean, I've heard in other states where big ones took some kids and women, you know, and walking their dog or something, and they come up after the dog, and I guess they tried to stop it or something. Can't get, stop an alligator can't, when he wants your little uh, puppy. Take your arm off or your leg and twist it off. A big alligator can do that. He goes in that role, you know. Yeah. That's how he does his victims. So then he bring him home and next door to Middendorf's up there. If you come by in September, that's where he brings him and he skins him. Skins him. Process the meat right there. Yeah. And uh, and you do it not only for you. Also, people bring their gators too to you. Right, right. We do, we do that too because, uh, you know, the, the industry is, is going down. Not down, but... The the, the the product the skins are not that popular anymore because they they just they got so many people in the business and so many different kinds of skins out there that it, it's putting people out of business there's quite a few people that used to skin mm -hmm. had skin for, for 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 the trappers and all and they they uh they went out of business because they used to buy the skins and and sell them skins, make money, and now they can't do it, so they quit altogether. So they're starting to come around looking for the, the, the trappers that used to do it that don't skin. you got to be Board of Health approved to, to skin them alligators, you know. To sell the to meat. To sell the meat and all. Yeah. So they don't even have anybody buying skins or anything or yeah. alligators anymore. So I'm the only one that kind of fools with them around. I, I'm not that big, so. Well, your we, son is helping you. He's yeah, but like I say, I'm, we're, we're not – Big. Well, we got a big building where yeah. we we can produce a lot. So we small time, but we still in business. So uh, we got all we can handle. Just a small. When you get your tags, and you have like thirty five, forty tags mm -hmm. here, you may well you want to use them all. Right. Right. So at the beginning, for sure, you try to go for the big ones. That's what we try to do. Uh, you know, the small ones, they want to grow up. Uh, the small hides aren't worth any money, yeah. not like the big ones are. But a small alligator, say five or six foot, you might get 10 pounds of meat out of them. Of course, if we, we do take them, if we catch them, you right. don't have a choice. 
But if, if you're in spots where you, you're not sure, you put your lines way high where a small gator can't jump up and get it. What is the biggest gator you ever uh, got? Probably, uh, he was right at 14 foot. That's well, a beast. That's been years ago. Uh, an old guy that used to buy alligator hides. Now they don't have them big, long. He used to bring a, a, a it was like a uh, measuring board, and he used to unfold it, you know, like a, it was like in three or four pieces with hinges on it. And he used to lay it on the cement floor, and it had the measurements on there. And it went up to 15 foot. And that one I had, now this is the skin now. That's after it was skint, but it was over 14 foot after it was skint. And he said, well, that's the biggest one I got this year so far. And that was almost the end of the season. So that was a big one. I still got the head, I think. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, uh, Hayden, uh, he sells us the meat, and also we sell for Hayden the, some of the skins and the heads when you come to Middendorf. They're in our little gift shop, right. and he processes them from catching them, fishing the alligator, killing it, skinning it, and um, gets the skin ready to sell. So if you ever come by, you can look at some of his product here. So we talked about alligator. We talked about world crabs we have out here, too, earlier we don't seem too much frog hunting going on here out anymore in the swamp here. Well, we a still do it. We still do it. Matter of fact, I got some live ones down there right now that we caught a week or so ago. But there's different conditions with frogs. They come in cycles. They move. And uh, we've been having some good conditions in the last five years since Hurricane I- Isaac went out. We have nothing but fresh water. See, bullfrogs, when they lay their eggs in the spring... They won't hatch out in salt water if there's too much salt water. So uh, before Isaac, we was having a lot of hurricanes left and right every year, every other yeah. year. So we we kind of didn't have a lot of population of frog bullfrogs. But after Isaac, in the last three or four years, we had a plenty, plenty bullfrog. Now this year, for some reason, they didn't look like they they had a lot, but there's a few. But frogs are moved from one area to the next. There's different parts of the swamp. So, you know, people who frog hunt on management areas and all, there's a lot of them that do it. That's like we were talking about hunting a while ago. Uh, years ago, you, you had a handful of people that went frogging. And now you've got hundreds of them that frog, and they catch frogs. So a frog hadn't had it. They, they don't have too much of a chance either if you've got people just constantly in the same place every night night after night catching frogs but there's a few frogs left i mean there's places that nobody can get to that's what helps the frog population and that you can call that the seed in the middle if they can't get to them those frogs are the ones that's going to have the little ones and have the eggs and hatch out and have frogs for the next season so you have the frogs you do the fishing the catfish the crabs the alligator meat, you sell some cool meat. Also, I saw you clean Nutria down in your shop. And that's the people that can buy all this at your place. Yeah, down the, the, neutral meat, the neutral meat is kind of... Uh, it's a delicacy. Self, people don't have yeah, it. Yeah, but they know, don't eat it. Uh, Paul Perdome tried, to do, tried to do it, and it didn't work for some reason. It's just something in people's mind. They think it's a big rat, so right. they don't want it. But it's, it's almost identical to rabbit, the meat. And taste 
it's, 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 but if you can get past the, the idea, thought, the, the thought, thought of it, the uh, word. I've had people that I fed neutral to and told them it was rabbit, and they was looking to scrape the pot. They couldn't get enough of it because they like rabbit. And when you tell them that was neutral, they like to fell out. It's just <laughs> the idea of it. You know, it's ridiculous. You know, uh, people, people so freaking weird. I mean, chicken is probably the worst, that dirtiest pigs. That too, and they eat them. So I mean, but they're uh, good eating. They're good. They taste good. But yeah. a neutral is a good eating too. But uh, it's a vegetarian animal. They're sure, always vegetables. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, so if you eat neutral, you could be almost a ve- considered a vegan. That's right. So what can you say? <laughs> but you know, this you got people the opposite of the track. I mean, you know, you can't figure things out. So right now you're in the middle of the season. Oh, well, let's. Um, we talked. Did we talk a little bit about turtles? No. Yeah, we talked to turtles. Yeah, but not. A, what what, do you want to what, know about? what about turtles? Well, we have at Middendorf's we have turtle soup on the menu, mm-hmm. and it's the snapping turtle. It's not the alligator snapper. Right. Since he's not legal anymore, we have this right. uh, snapping turtle. Can't sell turtle. them. Can't. They only can catch. You can only catch for self-consumption to eat if you want to catch one. I don't agree with that. I'll I'll just and we said that 40 years ago. I, I don't understand why Louisiana is the only state in the union that still lets you catch a turtle like that. They should close it. We talk about the alligator snapper. Alligator snapper, yeah. They should have closed that season 40 years ago, and, and they didn't. And I think just a few years ago they closed it commercially. And if they would have did it 40, 50 years ago, I think. And, and, and would have reproduced. Would have reproduced, and plus – they had a guy back in the 70s that was actually raising them and small ones, hatching the eggs out because, like we was talking about, the coons, raccoons, would uh, they didn't have a chance. And I think this guy was going out, and when it was still le- it was open, so you can go get the eggs just like they did alligator eggs. And this guy was trying to. Farm raise them. Farm, farm raise them, and they couldn't let them go. And let if they shut the season down, they could have put small ones out there, and they could have reproduced. But it was hard, even for small ones, because big birds and stuff would eat them too, and and alligators would suck them up and eat them. So they didn't have much of a chance. I seen myself when I walked back in my yard, and I seen the turtles coming out of there and laying the eggs. And the next day you go there and the raccoons duck it up yeah. and eat and destroy and everything. That's not the humans. I mean, the raccoons destroy. Oh, yeah. Their, They're the nest. worst. They're the worst. But the, when they do hatch out and they're walking on the ground. Then the birds get them. Bird, big birds eat them. Anything little, they're going to eat. Yeah. Get anything, you know, something's going to eat them. So when back in the days when they had plenty, plenty, plenty turtles, which they did, you know, 50, 60 years ago before they came out with the meat. I mean, that's. I think the restaurants and all back in the, I've seen some advertisements back in the 30s and 40s where they had turtle soup way back, you know. Well, we still have it, and, and, and it's the sure, snapping I mean, yeah, turtle. But it's I'm not talk- the alligator snapper. It's not the alligator, but that's, man, that was a big, big deal back in the 60s and 70s. That The turtle industry went wild for the big snap, a big loggerhead snappers, we call them. And I, we, we used to be one of the big right here where you sitting, right? Redman. Rubman Seafood, when we took it over, we was getting thousands of pounds a week 
when the peak of the season in the spring and when they was when the turtle. Didn't they used to sell it to Campbell Suits? Did that try in that? I point? think so. I think they did. I thought Campbell Soup also wanted the turtle soup one time and they bought I think it from. So. I think yeah. they was buying every turtle, but that we we was one of the big producers right here, and we used to clean forty a day. I mean, in the wintertime, they would be just like an alligator. They'd be dormant. They'd be in hibernation. So that, you know, but when it was spring, when it would warm up, we used to have trucks coming from Georgia and Florida uh, and had guys fishing. They used to bring us thousands of pounds a week. And we used to, I remember selling, we used to sell it for 95 cents a pound, the alligator meat. T- turtle? Turtle meat. I mean, turtle meat, yeah. The, the, the alligator snapper. I'll never forget it. 95 cents a pound dressed meat like you bought. And that was dirt cheap back then. But uh, a, a live one, you would be buy, we'd buy it for 40 cents a pound, 30 cents a pound. What do you guys did with the shell? Processed and sold them well, to? back then, no, no. I, I kept some of them back in the 70s and stuff like that, but dump them, throw them, <laughs> just throw them overboard or whatever. You know, we didn't know back then. You know, yeah. I mean, they had so many. You never, you know, you never thought it would come to an end. See, alligators are different; they can reproduce them fast. You know, yeah, but but a turtle, a turtle. A turtle. We will have run into a problem. We need to, uh, you know, they will eventually slop, uh, stop the red girl snapping turtles too. From well, you know, if they they should try to reproduce. Like I say again, I can. I got the proof there was a documentary made right here in Manchester. Well, you said somewhere. earlier, Jacques Cousteau came yeah. by. His sons, his two sons, and uh, Richard Pritchard, I can show you. If you look it up on the internet, I think he might be still alive. But he wrote the encyclopedia on turtles. A lot of famous people was in that, in that trying to save the snapping, but they got their butts kicked out of Louisiana because so many people disagreed with it. They didn't want no, you know, Louisiana's got its own, even its own world. They, all these fishermen and all, if they don't agree back in them days, oh, yeah. you go on, you know. Well, it's sometimes how a little uh, thing with the, you know, we could be the leader in uh, farm raising certain products, but they didn't want to do it, you know. Well, that's what I'm saying. When they did the farm raising catfish in, in Texas, you know, you pump the water out and they have it on shore. Well, in Louisiana, they have farm raising thought. We ever put a net across the bayou, and yeah. it's our fish. That's not farm. Well, raising. you know, back in the days, you had fishermen, back trappers. You didn't have. That's that's how they seen they was making a living. They didn't look no any further than the boat they was in. They didn't see of getting making it easier for themselves. Just like shrimp across seas, they they raising shrimp in certain yeah. farm raised shrimp. Yeah, as all anything, I'm I'm surprised that they're not figuring out how to form raise crabs and all the other stuff. About the crabs, a lot of people don't realize it. You know, we are in the middle of the crab uh, country or whatever, and we get the most prettiest crab here on Lake Murpon, Lake Pontchartrain, the blue crabs. They're gigantic. They're beautiful. And then, you know, some of them, if you get the soft shell, it's the same crab, but once a year they're bust. And we can, but a lot of people don't realize a lot of our crabs are sold to Maryland. Oh, yeah. They, they, that's another thing, like I said. Uh, the crabbers, a crabber, the fishermen, you had a couple of people come from Maryland because they have crabs in Chesapeake Bay and all these, but they can wipe them out too quick. They, mm-hmm. can, they can delete their catch to nothing up there. They did it, they did it a few times, but 
the guy from Maryland came down here to Louisiana because he knew the crab industry was down here, the big one. So what did he do? He opened up a shop, a crab factory in Manchac, and around Lake Plenty. Buys them and ships them up there every day. And now that's a big, big deal, is it, and it drives the price sky high. Oh, yeah. Uh, the price is right now it's around $4 a pound for number one. So you know more than me, but I hadn't heard lately. Right but, now, it's still a little bit cold, so there's not enough out there. Right, right. Well, you, know. you got the spillway open. It's dumping a lot of water in Lake Punchatrain. It kind of got got the water cold, and it's kind of shutting down. down. Shut down. But about the spillway, you know, you hear the the positive, negative. You know, everybody cries about if something is changed. Uh, does it help? Doesn't help? I mean, first they need to do it to protect the people. Yeah. Well, but I mean, putting that. a little bit fresh water in Lake Punchatrain and the settlement and everything. Well, it's a good thing, and so, like you say, I mean, if you're a crab fisherman, not at the it's moment. not a good, but they're supposed to bring a lot of nutrients in that crabs eat, that, that, that feed for the crab. So it might not be the best thing for this time of the year, but the next couple of three years, it, it's good if we get a crab population in. Again, that's another thing. you got so many crabbers and, and so many crab pots out there that the crab population is not as good as it should, could be, whether it's because of the spillway or not. It's just a shortage of crabs because of the demand for crabs up north and everywhere. Of course, they got crab meat. is a big the, the picking plants are a big part of the industry, too. And uh, crab meat, and they make crab patty, you know, yeah. that's all over the world and all over the country. That's a big demand for crab meat. Let's tell about the people. for. Do we have a season again this year on crabs? Do they close? Last year they closed they it for closed two months. They closed it. Last year for two months. Yeah, I think they just closed it for 10 days or something. This year? And yeah. Already? That's it? I think it was, uh, I can't remember, it was at the end of February or something like that for 10 days. I didn't know. Yeah, they closed it. Well, but in sections. This side, the, this, uh, this side of the Lake Pontchartrain, this side of the causeway, on the west side of the causeway, it was one the last 10 days of February and on the other side I think it was there was a, they didn't do it all at once at the same area so it was about three or four different sections down this way they closed and some of it still closed I think yeah. and you know there should I mean first some people who never saw a crab trap when you come down there look at them first they go they put bait in there they crawl in there to be captured but also there's some little holes where the juvenile crabs could escape again right, right. there's a certain size but also there should not uh, release some of the females to reproduce, you know. Well, they did that. I don't know if they're still doing it. I think that the juvenile fe- juvenile females, immature, they can't take them anytime. And they 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 raised the diameter of them rings you're talking about. Yeah. They, they got, made them a little bit bigger in the, in the last year. Okay. And they made you put one more in. And now you have to have three rings in your pot instead of two. So the, the the smaller crabs who go in there, they can escape again. Right. A little bigger than it used to be. A little bigger crab can get out. Since, you know, it's not about just killing and taking and selling everything. You have to keep the population going and, and right, growing. Right, right. Now, I agree. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard because you're stepping on people's toes. But you know crabs. You know a, we call a kite. Mm-hmm. Nothing in them. Well, there's so many... It's probably millions of crabs every year, millions of pounds maybe, go to these picking plants. 
but they don't get anything out of those crabs. They don't yield any meat out of them because they kites, nothing in them. They should make a law where they ban the kites. Now, a crabber knows if he, I can look at a crab and tell you if it's a kite or not. You throw him back in the water and let him live, get fat again, and mm-hmm. he's going to reproduce other things. Yeah. yeah. Instead of taking them out of the lake and killing them, leave them in and let them get fat again and reproduce. Mm-hmm. You, know? you know about the crab. Somebody told me one, and please, uh, you tell me. They're going out in the Gulf of Mexico to reproduce out there, and then they come from the Gulf back to the Wrigley's to Lake Pontchartrain to us. Is this correct? Right. I, when, I, when I was in high school, we went to Ship Island off of Mississippi. You know where that is? Yeah. And I've been out there two or three times in my life. But when I, was, I went on a field trip with the school out there, and we went to Ship Island. And that when we went out there, Ship Island was the beach was loaded. You couldn't walk on the beach in the water, just female crabs, the whole thing. It's, you never seen anything I've like never it. seen anything like that in my life, and it was full of those, they call them sponge, it was full of eggs. So that's where, yeah, in the Gulf is where they, whatever they do, and when they finish out there, they come back in. But I've never seen anything like that in my life. Nowhere around anything. Well, uh, so that's true. They're there. Go yeah. in the Gulf to reproduce right. and then they come back. Right. Almost like the salmon in Alaska. They, you know, right. they come up the river, lay their eggs, and then they go back into the ocean. And I mean, there was billions of crabs all around Ship Island, all over. I don't know what they was doing on the land itself, but they, you can see them in that clear water all out as far as you can see, just solid. <laughs> I, just, uh, I don't know. I've never seen so many crabs in my life like that. Well, you know, Middendorf's is the catfish house. We do the boiled crabs when they're the right season. Mm-hmm. And it's the same way uh, crawfish, if that's right. But so many people, you know, they should respect the seasons. They and should. You know, and they don't. They want everything now. Like, I didn't realize with crawfish, I talked to my friend. He said, me and horse, they are not ready as long. You want crawfish. He said, don't buy them when it's a foggy days. When it's all foggy and a lot of moisture in there. He told me when they catch them and put them in that, over half of them die till you put them in the cooler and bring them here. I'm also, I like to when they're already a little bit grated. Like if you just buy crawfish and they're small and large ones, and then you boil them, well, the small ones are mushy. That's and right. that's one. So if you can grate them a little bit and then you make a batch, at least every one of them tastes the same. Well, you Do know, we had crawfish in this swamp at one time. It was lousy every year when we had a lot of fresh water back in the day. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the only time that we would fool with crawfishes when we wanted to eat them and we'd go catch our own crawfish, but we'd ball them right away. But nowadays, you got the crawfish farms and all that, and when they catch that crawfish, if you don't watch it, sometimes they'll ice them down in a cooler and all. They don't have a bunch of sails. You get some older crawfish, you know. Uh, but most of the time, they tedious, you know. Like I say, you, you can't leave them in the wind. If you, yeah. if you, if you got them in the back of your truck hauling them, they kill them, kill them. Yeah. They, they're real tedious, you know. People don't realize. I think they buy a bag, but there's something. So don't buy them at certain times. And I like them when they're all the size. I have a lot of crawfish in my front yard. I mean, you know. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> you got to dig it to dig a hole. I mean. Yeah, it's a mess. It's hard fishing with a line going yeah. down that. Catching tube. one at a time. Yeah. Dig them up there. It's yeah. a workout. Travel them out there. Well, uh, when you go, um, tell me about, I know you cook, since you hunt, you cook and everything. What is your favorite meat you like to cook? 
one you killed, or what is the weirdest? Tell me your favorite, and what is the strangest thing you ever killed? Killed an animal wise? Well, you don't eat humans. I mean, no, that, well, uh, I mean that's up your opinion, but. Uh but well, no, if you I have mean, to, I mean, before well, starving, you know, I mean, if you were stuck in the swamp with your best friend, I mean, the strong ones alive. Yeah. Well, I mean, anything. I mean, I've done ate everything in the uh, every kind of fish. The only thing I didn't, I hadn't eat, is maybe you can cook for me one day, is a armadillo or a possum. Well, armadillo, you don't a half shell. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you you might ate some of the things that I hadn't ate. So you might be able to cook it up for me. Well, I when cooked rattlesnake. I cooked rattlesnake. I was one time hunting in Texas. That's the only time I went hunting, and I tell one thing. I mean, I love bird hunting. Uh, I, I loved it since mm-hmm. it was so unique when we went quail hunting and duff hunting and seeing the dogs working. It was absolutely yeah. beautiful, and we ate everything. I right? said, if you kill it, you better eat it. But so we walked down. We had, you know, in Texas, you have rattlesnakes, snakes everywhere. And we walk up there, and there were two five-foot snakes. Is that right? They were mating, and like, well. I heard they was good. Uh, I can't really say I've ever ate one. I might have, to be honest with you, fried one. Not me. I hadn't killed one, but I think I, years ago, I did try. And it's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. I mean, you know, it's like a lot of muscle. So you cut it real thin, and I sauteed it, put some olive oil, garlic in there, a little bit of olive, like Provencal See, I fry everything, like you told me one time. I, I kill the germs, I kill the poison. You saute <laughs> it and you just mix it up. You well, know. certain things, you know, it's that's not only the cooking part, it's also how you cut the muscle. You know, certain right. times if you cut it the wrong way, right, it comes right. out different. Well, I've ate eel, fish eel. Have you ever ate fish eel? Yeah, I mean, we love it. Europeans well, love it. Well, fishing that's what I'm night. saying. That's weird down here. But neutral rat, I've ate the raccoons, all that. And I've smoked raccoons. And put it in gumbo, like a mm-hmm. uh, andouille gumbo, yeah. and that's great. No, this was a raccoon, smoked raccoon gumbo then. That's right. But you can't make raccoon gumbo and call it andouille. With andouille. Oh, okay, we put it in there. Like an andouille gumbo. But anyway, it's real good. I yeah. like it. That's that's not my, f- you know, it's, uh, and like I say, neutral, the alligator, any, uh, you know, all the fish, uh, uh, any kind of fish that come out that water. I've ate it. About fishing out here, I've seen some pictures when I drove Ponchatoula and some old books. you seen tarpons out here lately? Oh, yeah. Not Listen. lately. But they had the old, they had tarpon rodeos out here. But you know, it, it was in the night. I don't know how you would look it up. I don't know if it was Tom Picayune in New Orleans or the Hammond paper. But 19, early 70s, we had trot lines in this past. And I had one, me and my buddy was fishing that trot line, and we caught, I think it was a 70-something pound tarpon right here. Yeah. It got wrapped up in my line. That's the only way we caught him, because it wrapped itself. I caught a big garfish one time, a hundred-and-something pound garfish like that, because your hook could never hold it. But what he did when he, when he bit the hook, he started rolling and he wrapped itself in my trot line, and that's the same thing. In the seven, early 70s, I was in the newspaper. I can't think if it was New Orleans over here. And it was a 70-something pound tarpon. Wow. And, but they had them, like you say. They had, when the salt water came in here, it brought a lot of fish out. Well, you've seen sharks. You've seen, we've seen. Uh, Four or five years ago, they caught a 200-pound uh, shark out here, right? Well, yeah. Somebody yeah. in shrimp net mm-hmm. out here. Yeah. 
my cousin, I think he caught him. So yeah, I saw the picture yeah. about him. 250 but, pounds, right outside. But they had a lot of, all you know, back in, it, it came in cycles. I mean, we had hurricanes years, you know, you've been having hurricanes since day one. But when a hurricane would come in, it would bring, a, a certain hurricanes would bring saltwater fish in here. I mean, you've seen porpoises, and we've seen porpoises, sharks, anything you can think of, you know, in, in, in the saltwater when, it, when a lot of hurricanes was coming in. What, what are some strange animals we have out there What people don't think? What is it called? Uh, what do we have in Florida? The, the por- Porpoise? Yeah. Uh, uh, flipper? What's flipper? No, uh, dolphins. Dolphins? Dolph- That's, it's not that? No. Um, we don't have dolphins? We do have dolphins. They see them sometimes out there. Well, that's what I'm There's saying. Any, but that's not regular. It's only when you get a lot of salt water yeah. come in and it pushes They them get in. lost and everything. But what's the difference in a porpoise and a dolphin? That's the same, I think. No, I guess. Whatever, I've seen quite a few of them over the years. And we get, uh, what's that big walrus looking? Uh, oh, from Florida? Yeah. What do they call them again? Manatees, yeah. We see, you've seen some of them? Oh, yeah. Over the years, I've seen quite a few over the years. That's a couple of weeks ago, they showed a picture. Somebody took a video of one in a spillway and everything. Is it in a spillway? Yeah. Had one in there. A manatee? Yeah, got trapped maybe in there. Hmm. Whatever they showed it. People thought it was on oh, the evening news, yeah. So we have all this. And back to your alligator gar. I love to cook alligator gar. When you, but I had to learn how to clean it. Since the meat, it's so white. Oh, yeah. And if yeah. you cut them the same, if you cu- I cut it like a little uh, thin slice mm-hmm. with the right angle. Right. And you just put it on a barbecue, grilled it real short See, time. I fry mine, so. Oh. <laughs> Okay, Hayden fries it. No, <laughs> but there's, I, yeah, cut pa- yeah. paper, I, th- I cut it almost like mid of thin-cut catfish. I just put seeding it on the grill. I had like two minutes on each side. It was delicious. Oh, yeah. And it, and I like It's just like you make a crab cake. You do it with Alligator the gar ball, uh, gar balls? No, you gar cake. Gar okay. cake. <laughs> what you call a crab, stuffed crab or something, you know? But Okay. I don't call them that, you know. You know that's the Cajun cooking or uh, Manchac cooking? But there Fry is. It. Yeah, but the crab ball, we cook a uh, crab, I mean a gar ball stew. Yeah. And you do it just like you would stuff a, a crawfish head for a, what you call that? The yeah, for the soup, for the bisque. Yeah. Bisque, yeah. And we do the same thing with the garfish. You know, you ball that garfish meat. And you flake it up, and then you mix all your seeds and everything. Yeah. And you roll it up and put it in the oven for a little while to get it where with your eggs in it to firm it up. Then you put it in a little gravy. Yeah. If you want to order any of these dishes, you have to ha- call Hayden in his little shop. He can prepare it for you. And then uh, just call yeah, for Hayden. Right Hayden, 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 you know, right up the street from Manchac. If you want any of these special dishes... He can do it. I'm going to open me a little boot right behind Mittendorf on the side of the railroad track. He's going to open his food truck soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but uh, no, garfish, what else we have out there we're catching and everything? A lot of, a lot of different things. That's what's go- so good about this area. You know, at one time, that's why they call a paradise down here because you had everything, especially in this Lake Marpon Pontchartrain area. It, you had everything in the world right here. Crab, shrimp. We didn't talk about the shrimp, but my brother's got a 40-foot shrimp boat, and he shrimps, and we shrimp. But we, we've been in this business since we was kids, so when you had to make a living out of everything, you had to be in season. Shrimp boat, crabs, trapping, 
alligators, trot lines. You did the whole thing because you couldn't depend on one thing year-round, so you had to be in everything so you can work year-round. You know, you know. since you said about the shrimp, i never forget the day when we flooded the first time, uh, 2008, when Ike hit uh, Galveston. And when the storm comes in the Gulf of Mexico and the wind turns red, we get all this easterly wind and it pumps the water from the Gulf of Mexico to Lake Punchinara into the marsh of Manchac. And then when the hurricane goes south of us, past us, goes to Texas and eventually goes north, then the wind shifts and comes from the west. And that's where we always flood, when it's pushed the water mm -hmm. back out in the Gulf and then pushed into Manchac to this little pass. But I remember there were so many shrimp, and we had for these few days when the water was rushing out of the uh, Lake Murpa into Lake Punchinara, we had, I think, like 20 shrimp boats in the right. pass, and they were catching shrimp. I had shrimp in my parking lot. No, I, remember all over. I remember that. I remember they were I mean, swimming all over in the fish, old fish market when it was yeah. flooded everywhere. There were shrimp everywhere. Crabs, too. I mean, yeah. But uh, that's what I'm talking about when you get a hurricane. It blows all kind of salt water. We're we're the Gulf of Mexico right here when it, when a hurricane comes. Of course, it'll leave back out. You yeah. know when it, when it's all over, they won't stay in here. The sharks and and also when with the with this said uh, when the hurricanes come, you know push the salt water in. Now certain fish, freshwater fish, that get trapped in corners. So. After a storm, we do lose a lot of animal on land and in the water since they get trapped either by the right. salt water or the fresh water. And, and so there's a Well, the, the salt, fresh water fish, they can adapt because they go further with. They follow, they push them further up in, yeah. in, and when the water comes out, they'll come back out. But you, salt water usually stays uh, on the bottom, and the fresh water is on top. The salt water is heavier. So there's a mixture where... But when it really mixes up, when it comes out, that's when it pushes everything back out. And that's what's bad about it. Usually a fish kill. When yeah, the swamp see. water comes out, all yeah. of the dead vegetation and all just takes the oxygen out the water. And some of the fish can't survive that gets trapped in it. So we, you heard and you probably forgot, right. seen thousands and thousands of catfish, you, which you'd never think they would die. But... In bad, bad, bad water, no oxygen, it'll kill everything in that water. Yeah, I've seen it in this, when the changes come in the water right. and everything. Uh, That's the only the thing bad about it is it, 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 it messes things up. Doesn't kill everything it, you know that's in the water, but some things get trapped in the bad water. Also about Hayden, some, I want some people to know. Uh, he, he do some for southeastern. They have a camp down there, Turtle Cove. Where some research is done, and you watching out for this and help down there, right? Yeah. Well, we uh, I took a job. Things got kind of tough in the uh, '80s and '70s in this area. Uh, wasn't a lot of work, and uh, seafood was kind of tough. So, you know, a lot of people was looking for jobs. So I took a job locally with the university. Uh, it's a uh, Southeastern Louisiana University uh, research station on Pass Manchac, which was the uh, uh, old building built in 1908 by Edward Slater. Uh, it was on a management area. Well, it was on his property. He had like 8,000 acres, and he had that old building built in 1908. And I took the job for, uh, with Southeastern because they was needing someone to stay and caretake and 
as time went, I took that in 1987 or 88. As time went with that, they did a lot of research, brought a lot of people down there to do different projects with alligators and fish, anything you could think of. And then they got a big pontoon boat in the early 90s, and they created an educational program, which we brought all kind of school kids from grammar school all the way up high school, uh, different groups uh, to bring them on a field trip at Turtle Cove. We've got a big boardwalk that goes a half a mile back in the swamp, and you see all the birds and fish. You guys have this beautiful science there. People can learn what's out learn. there. We teach kind of like a, like I say, a field trip that not in class, school room, but hands-on out catching dip net fish and anything that you know, you see all kind of wildlife, snakes, anything they catch. They, we got sometimes catch a, a non-poisonous snake and show the kids. and Just all kind of education on hand, not not in the... So you combined what you did and still do. Still and, do and, it. And do a couple of days with them and help right. as a combined. Right. And it's a good thing to... Good thing. It helps kids and helps education. and I, I like Bring I, the swamp back. Right. And I'm not... I'm a kind of conservative guy. Just like I said, I'd rather see them shut seasons down like the turtles when I know they going down the drain and extinct instead of keep catching them. I'd rather just as soon see them shut the season down and save them and bring them back. So. Even the little green slider turtles we talked to, uh, who in the old days people used them to make soup. They didn't right, realize. Right. But even there we noticed there's less and less, and it's back to the raccoons and back everything. Back to raccoons and plus, you know, there was a big industry of, of these little turtles. But they're farm raised. They don't uh, get them from yeah, the wild. Well, they used to. They used to go look for the eggs out in the wild too, but uh, there was a big bounty on them, the bigger turtles, mm -hmm. because I remember they would the farms would buy them to buy them to put them in their farms, and that's one thing they do in the farms is they do have they 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 take the eggs and and they and they the, the turtles lay eggs in them farms, and that's how they reproduce. They don't buy the turtles eggs. They don't go out and. They do all the reproduction right there on the farm. It's not like alligators. So actually, they could release some of theirs if we if they had to. Yeah, yeah. 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 To help. But the, I I don't know how quick they grow these turtles. I don't know if they are fast growers or what. That's one thing I don't know. If they turtles, they I might thought you not. know everything. I do know everything. Or you can make up a story at least. Well, I could, but uh, I guess I could. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Hayden. I mean, we had a nice talk here. Uh, You've been, well, you're our neighbor, so I know you eat here on a regular basis, but also, you remember how old you were when you first time at Middendorf's, and who was running back in Middendorf's? Let me think. Well, you know, I grew up next door to here. Matter of fact, it's part of your property. It's where I grew up. Where? Rutman's place? Yeah, we, I had that. We, well, my dad had that in the, in the late 60s. In some of the uh, most of the seventies, and the house is right there on the corner. Right, it. right. You know, some pictures. The place we're talking about is where our sand area is between the deck and and the sunset room. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I remember. Well, my dad and Richard Smith, mm -hmm. one yeah, of the yeah. owners, they were good buddies. They was buddies way back. I mean, they. Uh, 
Mr. Smith was, uh, they both was in World War II, and I'm not sure if they was together or not. No, Smith was in the Korean War. Dick. Was it? Yeah, he you was sure? in the Korean. That's what I heard. Well, maybe both of them, I don't know. And then they were, didn't they both became U.S. Marshals? I think so, but my dad was in the Marines in World War II. Yeah? Yeah. And I think, heck, Mr. Dick, Dick too? how old would Mr. Dick be? I don't know. He was, I, I know he went also to, uh, he, might he, have he been stayed in, in the service longer than your dad. Yeah, yeah. He stayed in much longer. And like I said, the marshals together, and uh, my dad was a retired lieutenant with the wildlife and fishery in the late 70s or whatever. But they both was kind of, and yeah. they both got, ended up next door to each yeah, other. Yeah. One had the seafood and he had the rest. But I remember when I was a little kid coming over here to eat, yeah. you know. And uh, I'm talking, when I lived next door, there wasn't a restaurant. I think Mittendorf was the only restaurant right here at the time. Well, he had Ship Ahoy next door. Yeah, I've been there, too. I remember going in there, too. That's yeah, where our that's parking right. lot is. That's right. I remember they had, being Back there. then, they had multiple restaurants down here in Manchester. Well, they had that Ship Ahoy and then Mittendorf's. But that was, Across uh, the street, you had the Allens for... Yeah, but that was before, I think. That was way before my time. Till they built the interstate. You know, old, old, old people like Virgil Allen remembers that. The old people, you know, so... Like that's the way before dinosaur me. ages? Yeah. Yeah, that's way before me. So, <laughs> <laughs> but no, Mittendorf's. Is, uh, we always did. We ordered next door when we used to be in the seafood bit. You know, the fresh seafood. We used to order food here all the time when we was kids, and especially when I got up to be a teenager and all. I mean, it was kind of thing. Order stuff from over here and we're next door. And we yeah. used to eat over here and all. We used to have fish skinning contests between Mittendorf's. Seafood, uh, I mean, the skinning, they used to have a skinning shack yeah. here, and we used to. A contest? Contest like skinning. Who's the, hot, yeah, who's the who's world the fans, champion of right. the catfish skinning? That's right. Yeah. So I won a many of them contests. <laughs> <laughs> Did no you more. get the trophy? You still have the trophy? Well, I got the, I, I had a trophy. I forgot what we used to bet a few dollars or something like yeah. that. But, you know, but uh, they, they, they didn't, they, believe it or not, we used to skin fish. We used to skin thousands of pounds a day. Where I, I don't know if uh, they used to. Uh, I can't say if they. You had a couple of people that used to sell fish to, to Richard Smith when he was here, but there wasn't like hundreds and thousands of pounds a day that he used to get. I don't. You know, so I don't know. But we used to. I remember he had. We used to have a little path, and it was. You know. I mean. You remember where the old skinning place used to be? Right, right over here, here. Right here. And we used to, have, it would be a, a alley that wide, but we used to have a little path. We used to walk back and forth messing with them guys that used to skin them. As a matter of fact, we used to hire some of them that quit over here and they quit over there and back So you and hired forth. them away or next no, door? No, but, you know, which. Was no know, loyalty back then? Well, I mean, yeah, because. They would leave us and go here, and they'd go there, <laughs> back and forth. We'd know everybody, know them, you know. We'd all know Well, they each couldn't other. leave Manchac. They were stuck no, here. No, that's what I'm saying. There's only two places to skin the catfish is next door and here, you know, <laughs> Reno, uh, us and, and Mittendorf. So if you wanted to skin fish, you only had two places in this whole part of the country to skin. So they worked for your dad a little while till they yeah. got mad at him, then they I came mean, to every, Smith every, again? That's right. Every young person and and. This, I mean, even in Punch, they had a bunch of them from Punchatula that that used to come to work for down here at Mittendorf's and 
in Reno. We used to have three or four at time work for us. We used to do a lot of business here. It used to be the only seafood. Yeah. Rutman's, you know, we took over yeah. Rutman Seafood back then. But back in the late 60s and the 70s, I mean, we was the only, I mean, Rutman's was the only seafood, fresh seafood place you had very few places in this part of the country. So this was the main train going through here from north and south. So, and they didn't have the interstate. And back then it took them a long time to drive out here. Oh, yeah. I heard people no interstate, no years. interstate. And, and miss, we had customers from Mississippi, y'all, the same as now. But we used to have people buy fish and shrimp and everything. And, and look, we used to... A lot of seafood went through this little place right here, just like this. I mean, there used to be a lot of fishermen, not anymore. No. Let's, uh, if there's anything funny or unique you want to add to this uh, from the swamp, hunting, fishing, eating, living. Well, he has so many stories. but if Well, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, I don't know. It's funny, funny. Some things are funny, but uh, I don't, uh, it's just... Everything is funny. Everything, like everything. If it, I don't know what's funny and what's not, you know, but there's nothing really funny about working and and seafood and and, and crabbing. But you know, I've seen I've seen crabbers out there naked running crab pots. It was so it been so hot out there, you know. And that's I, not a pretty sight. We want no, to see. No, but it's show. funny. There's, there's it's a, funny when you. <laughs> See something and you've heard and go go the other way, you know. Uh, uh, you probably think there's something wrong with this. It must yeah, be crazy. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, like yeah. I say, I mean, funny. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming over here, and uh, I think we have to do this again since there's so many things we probably forgot. No, and I don't know. I mean, we've covered there's so a lot. much people. Want for, they yeah. want to know. People don't realize what it is to be out here. You know, uh, it's not only Middendorf. That's why you're here. They want to know a little bit about uh, the swamp and what it is yeah. and how to do it. It's not so easy anymore to do everything, no, and even the business. For us, you know, we talked earlier how the whole catfish industry, how it is all going in which direction. It's and changing a lot, I tell you. Yeah. Everything's changing. Yeah. My whole know. life is changing. Not in Manchester. Yeah. We call it. I call it the Holy Land. When people say, "Where are you going?" I'm not going to work. I go to the Holy Land. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, if we can just keep things rolling, we we go on there. And as you saw, what we accomplished over the last ten years, uh, preserving Middendorf, how it was, and adding to it to go into the future. Hopefully, it's there for the next generation. Yep. And uh, since water is coming again, flood. But just to let the people know talking to Hayden and other people here, we, uh, we see a little bit uh, more fresh water here. Uh, now we can't replenish the cypress swamp uh, trees since it takes them thousands of years to grow. You know, people That's have right. this vision there, I think, but the, uh, the cypress tree is a sequoia and it's the biggest trees I saw one time, they're like 2,000 years old when they cut them down. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and you never get them back. I mean, not in our lifetime. No. But, well, uh, I don't think two, we're going to make no, 2,000 years. I mean, but you, you never cease to, you know, all the years prior to uh, around from Hurricane Katrina on, for years we thought it would never be to uh, never be back to normal. Every year we had a uh, one or two hurricanes, salt water and stuff, and it's, it's it, now you see since our Isaac, we have nothing but fresh water, flooding, rain, so it, it has a chance to be 
get a little break? A break, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the saline is down in our area, right? That's what I heard. We have lots, like you said, a lot yeah, more fresh water. A lot more fresh so water. So, I mean, don't ever give up hope that you think salt water is going to be here forever. And, and it has, it's proved that we thought that hurricanes, they was talking about hurricanes every year, the two a year. But in the last six years, we hadn't had any and we had nothing but fresh water. So a lot of people are getting what they wished, a lot of fresh water. And that's what we've been having. Spillway's been open, putting fresh water, flooding rain the last few years. You know, so it's a cycle and we see it. It's not like things are going to change where we have hurricanes every year. Yeah. So. But it's where we are located, you know, the water uh, has a big impact. That we're in a swamp; it's sinking. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's yes, it does. I mean, but again, we can we can avoid hurricanes. We don't have to expect them every year, two twice a year, to get salt in here. Yeah. You know, so we had crawfish in the swamps again a couple of years ago. We got like we're talking about abundance of frogs and different wildlife that has a chance to come back and multiply and grow again. So, but we will have hurricanes again too. So the only thing we have no promote for people to buy at Hayden's Place, ask for uh, raccoon and nutria. nutria Since it's the yeah. only predators out there who would help us uh, create more wildlife. When there's nothing else left, <laughs> we'll have the nutrients and raccoons to eat. Well, thank you Hayden for joining me today and thank you for everybody listening. We will be back next month uh, on the first Thin Fried Friday. Until then, guten Appetit.